Hey everybody, you're listening to a sub-series of MMA on the Rocks called How I Met the Mat. It's interviews with people from all walks of life about their first experience with martial arts and the first time they walked into a gym. So whether you're thinking about starting to train martial arts or you've been training for a while, I think you're going to hear some really cool stories on here. As always, this podcast is intended for adult audiences, and even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode number one what? of a sub-series I'm titling How I Met the Mat, where I interview people from all walks of life and ask them about their experience with martial arts, who they are outside of the gym, and what being in the gym means to them. My very first guest on this segment, Dr. Of behavioral science and international business, motivational speaker, author, life coach, philanthropist, decorated military veteran, social media influencer, wow. and I'm sure a ton of other accolades I'm leaving off. <laughs> but for the intensive purposes of our conversation, martial artist and host of the MMA and Beyond podcast, Dr. Steve Maraboli. My brother. Most important. None of those matter, actually. But what does matter is that you're my friend. And I have good news for you is that I support everything you do. I think you're smart. You're funny. Uh, you're one of the few people on earth that I connect with uh, privately. Uh, but the bad news, sir, while I congratulate you on your, on your side endeavor uh, with this podcast, I hate to tell you, you've peaked today on episode one. That's it. You <laughs> peaked. It doesn't get any better than this. That's, it's everything is just a drastic downward turn, brother. But well, but, I got uh, Enzo coming next week, so shit. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> shit, I take it back. <laughs> How great is Enzo Gracie? On a side note, this dude goes from uh, from growing up a Gracie and and seemingly. Uh, reckless in his pursuit of, of jujitsu and grappling titles, um, uh, hilarious in the in the idea that he still goes into professional combat uh, with with questionable training regimen and still wins. Uh, not only that, but then gets uh, appointed to a presidential cabinet in Brazil and opens commerce. <laughs> so not only it wasn't just a honorary title, he gets a, a, a position and opens commerce with the United Arab Emirates. I mean, that dude, there's nothing he can't do. So I take it if he's next and you've peaked next week. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to have to try and get a hold of him now. <laughs> now you said it. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you, I hyped it up. Everyone um, but, click subscribe and now you can't undo that. Yeah, well, they can, though. They can unsubscribe. <laughs> they do it all the time. Um, but the other, the most impressive thing about Henzo is I know a lot of people in this industry. Like, MMA is a pretty small community, and so is jiu-jitsu. Never heard anybody say a bad word about that guy. And you can't say that about a lot of people in this community because it's it's a very small world, as you know. It's a small world. And um, listen, he runs, he, he, he has created the space, you know. You create the space and you fill it. And he created the space for what really is turning out to be the the Harvard, the international Harvard of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in New York, 
uh, a gym that I'm a proud member of. And it doesn't fall far. Listen, you walk into that gym and, and it's his daughter that says, hey, have a good morning. Good afternoon. You know, it's his mm-hmm. daughter there. It's his family there. It's his, it's his brothers and sisters. You'll, you'll run into Hobson and to Neiman and, and they're in class next to you. I mean, what he's created is, is something that's spectacular. And for anyone in their MMA journey, uh, something like that, uh, you recognize how, how fortunate someone like me is and, and how incredible uh, the, the, the school is for everyone who's able to attend. Yeah, for sure. And I got the experience. Um, I got to experience that thanks to you inviting me there to come train with you. So thank you and, for that. And I'd like to tell your audience uh, that he thanked me by strangling me for an hour in the famous blue basement. <laughs> that's what, that's what friends do. That's, uh, <laughs> he was like, um, no, go ahead. I said, really, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my best. And he was like, ah, oh, no, yeah, we're going to be fine. I just, it was an hour of me getting strangled, but I did no, learn, I, brother. I did learn. I had a good day. I was just absorbing the energy <laughs> from the basement that was in there. Was- <laughs> well done. A well blue basement <laughs> debut. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, in your defense, I did force you to take a no gi class, and you're you're more of a gi guy. I am more, definitely more of a gi guy. I have since evolved, so I think that should we roll again? You've been. I don't want to say it's because you rolled with me, but mm-hmm. since rolling with me, like I'm not saying I'm the causal source, mm-hmm. but I am saying in the sequence of things, after rolling with me, you received your purple belt. That is true. All right. So you have since received your purple belt. I have since won a world championship. I think that should we go at it again, I will be strangled only 50% of the time that you did last time. And I'll feel, I'll feel better about that for sure. Because you, yeah. you're, you're what I was really impressed with by you, because I, I, I'm really before rolling with you, I had rolled a thousand times. I've rolled a thousand times since. What I was really impressed with by you was how compact you get and how strong, how efficient you are with your bursts. That's something that I have to learn because you were, you would, if I gained a position on you, you'd let me burn myself out. And and I'm pretty good at, at preventing that, but you were really good at staying compact. And then the second you saw an inch of space, boom, you're out. You're out and suddenly I'm in trouble. And as soon as I post because I'm in trouble, you were doing something horrible to my arms. And so you, you were uh, uh, something I learned from rolling with you. And, and, and the whole reason of this show is you're talking about uh, MMA. So for whoever, whoever listens to MMA on the rocks, you and your buddy kill it. And you can, you can tell that you're both huge fans uh, and, and uh, at, at, you do give good analysis of the sport as well. But, you and I, in our personal conversations, we talk about what a therapist jujitsu is for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a lot of the benefits. And, and, um, I, I guess I got to come back with the cliche, your checks in the mail for all those compliments, um, uh, <laughs> my way on my show when I'm, when I'm here to highlight you, uh, you well, put, you put me up on a pedestal. Well, I we're both here to highlight the sport and, mm-hmm. One of the things about jujitsu, which is really interesting 
for me is it's the only place that you can get your ass kicked for an hour. And I do it. I, I still train. I'm on Henzo Gracie competition team. So I'm there at least twice a week when we're not in quarantine. I'm at least there uh, twice a week uh, for an hour rolling with the best of the best in the world. And uh, it's the only place where you would just get annihilated for an hour and then say thank you, wholeheartedly thank every single person who did that to you. Uh, and that's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I I remember that day after we trained and we went out to lunch and met up with my wife and, and we were all sitting at lunch and she's like, wait, you guys were just fighting each other for the last hour and now we're sitting here having lunch. And we're like, yeah, it's it was fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Couldn't stop laughing. And then and and it's it, the conversation probably was, hey, man, you remember when you almost ripped my head off? Mm -hmm. How come you got that? And you were probably telling me, oh, well, I waited till it like they yeah. won't. If you're not doing it, you don't understand it. Yeah, which is which is really the essence of what I want to do here and and uh, get across to people how important this is, especially now, because people are all trapped in their houses. Just to timestamp this, we're all kind of quarantined from the COVID-19 pandemic that's going on right now. But people are going to be thinking about, you know, what can I do different for exercise when this thing's over? You know, maybe people are thinking about taking that first step into a gym. Um, but before we get to that, though, I want to rewind a little bit, just get a little bit of background on you. So you've done a ton of, of public speaking and, and written best-selling books, and you've done all these things in your life, um, you know, prior to getting involved in martial arts. Now, I know you've done other things besides jujitsu, but I, I do want to focus on that. So tell me a little bit about what you do on the day-to-day. -day. Like, what's the outside of the gym? What's the life of Steve Maraboli like? I... I do this a lot. I talk a lot. Uh, most of my clients are high profile, uh, high performance clients who, who I talk to on the phone. Uh, the handful that I still uh, do, I oversee a team of coaches around the world who, who I've certified under a program that I created uh, now running on 20 years. Um, and they have their clients. So um, my whole day is really de dedicated to behavioral science and business. Mm -hmm. um, and I give a handful of talks a year now. Um, again, I'm I'm fortunate where I've been doing this for 20 years, and and as I I'm turning 45 this month, and I've really really wound down my my work quote unquote work schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really oversee the stuff that I've built, and uh, just try to refine and everything that that I'm working on and working towards understand the human experience more. And as of late, I've been work focused a little bit more on writing. Uh, I've always enjoyed writing. I write kind of a pop psychology, uh, almost. I'm almost like a, a Hallmark card machine uh, <laughs> that 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 will capture the the length, depth, and breadth of the human experience. I, I love it all. There's nothing that I don't like to roll around in. So I'll go through through periods of time where I'm incredibly into the brain and and the practicality of cognitive neuroscience. I think that academia is ridiculous and, and, and bordering on, on fraudulent when it comes to cognitive sciences. So I don't take that so seriously. You don't really hear me tout that too often uh, because when you do go for advanced studies in the cognitive sciences, you really just spend a fortune listening to some of the most intelligent people on earth tell you in so many different ways, we're not really sure why this does this. Mm -hmm. We're not really sure why this works this way. So they're still arguing today in academics. They're still arguing about what consciousness is. 
Mm -hmm. And so for me, let them argue about that. I have a very practical way of looking at things. So I don't necessarily need to know why something works as much as I need to know that it works. Mm -hmm. And I, f I find a, a, a practicality to that. For instance, um, most of academia is just a, a walking uh, penis contest, you know, a, a pissing contest, as they would say in the military. Yeah. And everyone's just kind of clearing their throat and, and, and jumbling together these word salads that that say nothing, but use an incessant amount of words to say absolutely nothing. And I liken it to, to no practicality. So most of people in life who seek this kind of stuff, they, they've like, they're imagine yourself on a cruise ship and you've fallen off on a boat and you've fallen off and you look over to the person in the water and you say, you, you yell over the overboard. I'm now going to explain to you the laws of aquatic physics <laughs> or, or you say, I'm now going to express to you the laws of buoyancy. I'm the guy who leans over and says, Hey dude, paddle your arms and kick your feet. <laughs> they don't need to know why it works. They need to know that it works. And if later on they want to learn the laws of aquatic physics, the laws of buoyancy, have a great time. I yeah. love learning about them too, but I don't love talking about them. Is that how you would sum up psychoneuroactualization? I I would I would summarize it as as the the art the science of getting out of your own way, uh, rec recognizing uh, that you have a genetic predisposition, that there isn't so much magic to it, but there's a lot of predisposition to it. I'm not I'm not Chinese right now, so you can be sure that my parents aren't. Chinese. I'm also not six feet tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. So you can know that my parents are in that. And how do we know that? We know because I'm genetically produced by my parents. We know that on the outside, what we do understand now so much better on the inside, your genetic makeup also applies to your thoughts. Don't forget it. All your thoughts are physiological, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody says I'm thinking happy today. No, I'm feeling <laughs> happy. Mm. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking sad. No, I feel sad. I feel depressed. I feel excited. I feel loved. I feel cared for. Nobody says I think loved. I think to care for. Nobody says that it's physiological. And so we are that genetic predisposition also. And mm -hmm. so not only do we know when you go to the doctor, they say, well, is there a family history of heart disease? Lung disease? The reason they ask you is because if there is, you have a tremendous exponentially more likely chance of getting it because it's called a predisposition. Well, mm -hmm. your thoughts and behaviors are that way too. You have a beautiful daughter without teaching her. She has already without a doubt to your wife. Oh my God, she does that just like you. Oh my God, she does that just like her. She doesn't have to be taught to be what she already is. Yeah. That's the only thing she is. The only thing she is, is a connection between you and your eyes. It's it. Mm -hmm. And as she travels through, she'll navigate planet Earth through the filters of a genetic predisposition of you and your wife. Hmm. And so that's how that goes. She is 100% that. So I'm 100% never going to slam dunk a basketball because my mom says she was five feet. She was not five feet. And my dad is my about 5'4". Yeah, my dad's 5'4", and my mom was like 4'11". And so I never, while I had a predisposition for it, I became the tallest Maraboli man. 
but still at five nine, and that's five nine if I'm talking to girls. You know, I'm five nine like my mom was was five feet, and so, so we know this, and so there's nothing wrong with me in that sense. Mm -hmm. But those are the tools I have, and so for years and years, therapy, the idea of therapy, someone would go in and they'd say, "Hey, uh, so I keep getting in my own way. I have these these. I'm, I'm kind of like a pessimist, and I, I look at things." in the negative way. And I just, I want to be a positive. So the therapist will tell you, well, you got to be a positive, a, 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 uh, an optimist and you have to have do this and you have to go, you have to, and you, you offer them a bunch of tools they don't have that they should have. Maybe, maybe they should have someone with a predisposition of heart disease because everyone in your family had heart disease. You should have a good heart, but you don't because you don't come from that. Mm -hmm. So the same comes with your behaviors. Right. So when, when, uh, when a therapist tells you and offers you that you should change in a manner that you weren't equipped for, we're starting to learn that that's like telling me, well, you should just be six feet tall and blonde, dummy. Oh, mm -hmm. that's what'll do it. Yes, that would do it, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I'm going to drive myself crazy and go to therapy for 20 years wondering why that's not happening. Because you don't have mm -hmm. that. So for me, it was always practical. Paddle your arms and kick your feet. For me, it was, okay, let's take the tools you do have. You're a pessimist. What does that mean? Well, I, I only see the negative in things. Well, guess what? I have spent 20 years making a fortune doing that. I mm -hmm. get hired by companies of what they call the red team. My job is to go in there and see where all your flaws are, where your vulnerabilities are, where you're not seeing it, what executives are weak-minded, where your leadership team is lacking, where others are. I make a living off of that, and most consultants do. And mm -hmm. so it's not the energy that you put to something, right? Nuclear power can light a city or it can destroy a city. The energy is the same. It's just how you use it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you take that same person who says, hey, I'm a pessimist. Instead of me trying to convert them to an optimist, let's choose the pessimist. We need both. It's just how you use the energy. The optimist creates the airplane. The pessimist creates the parachute. We need both. Yeah. yeah. We need both. So that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's all great information. And I, I think more people need to think that way. Uh, you know, I spent a long time as, as an educator in New York and, uh, I, I would always get frustrated with the standardized testing. And I remember I saw this great cartoon about it, political cartoon, and it was a teacher in a classroom. And in the classroom was an elephant, a monkey, a snake, and a fish. And the teacher says, okay, your assignment is to climb that tree. Right. And it's like, well, obviously not all these animals are equipped to do that. And it's the same with the standardized testing. But yeah. Uh, that uh, I'm glad you said all that because that was all stuff that was that was fresh on my mind because I was listening to your other podcast, the Steve Maraboli podcast, Whispers of Genius, Echoes of Madness, which is very different from your MMA and Beyond podcast. Which I'm I'm trying I want to try my best to to kind of bring those two worlds together here, MMA Steve and professional Steve. Um, I, I could I, they would be. If you could do that, you'd have to teach me. Like there, there's a, there, the reason I, I say Whispers of Genius, Echoes of Madness is because it's finally now. I mean, I'm saying in my 40s uh, that I was finally like, you know what? I, I'm, I am that guy who wrote incredibly passionate love things. I can be that guy. I can be inspired to love to the, that'll make Nicholas Sparks look like he's cold-blooded. 
I can write that way. Um, but at the same time, I can go into a gym and punch someone in the face and absolutely feel fantastic when they punch me back. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, I could be that soldier whose job was to to uh, ground assault on, uh, with a machine gun. At the same time, yeah. I could be somebody who, who's with someone, including my mom, and, and her last dying breath. I can be all those things. And, and so getting all of that together for me, it, it has been the most liberating uh, thing I've ever done. And it took me till, you know, 40 something years old to do it. But the MMA show, I love it. Uh, Ray Longo, um, he was doing a show that uh, was called Training Day with Ray. Mm -hmm. And he, I was training at his gym, uh, Law MMA in Garden City, New York. Um, I was training at his gym with the great Jenny Nadell, multiple time world championship kickboxer. I went there and she helped me lose 50 pounds by just working my ass off and motivating me and doing the things that makes her so special. And while I was there, the producers of Ray's show said, Hey man, you want to, you want to be a guest on our show? Talk about mindset and that kind of stuff. I said, sure. Ray and I hit it off and, um, and we've been friends ever since. And, and when that show kind of fizzled, uh, I said, let's do a MMA show. I mean, my audience will listen to a degree. Um, but, but, the Ray Longo needs to have a podcast out there. So it's really, for me, I've always considered it Ray Longo's show. And, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be the, the host, the, the glue, I would say you are because it, <laughs> not only does he need a podcast, he needs somebody to, to keep him organized and keep him on task because I, myself, I I've told you this privately. I would, I would be scouring the internet looking for bits of Ray Longo wisdom. You know, we get the, the Ray Longo minute on uh, Anakin Florian. Florian, uh, it wasn't enough. So I was I was fortunate enough to be introduced to that show and be a guest on it myself. So thank a you. Cr a crime that it didn't exist, and I told them that. I told them that, and uh, um, we were. I don't I don't know how many shows in now. A lot, uh, many shows in now. But uh, um, for me, uh, one of the things that I take pride in is that I do think, I, I being a fan and a student of mindset and a student of history, I've always loved the fact that I can go back and listen to Alan Watts. I can listen to or read a Mark Twain. Some some points, I, I do have a couple of recordings of Mark Twain as well. And, and I can listen to uh, these great thinkers and people who impacted their world. Mm -hmm. uh, and and one of the things I take pride in is that we have, you know, about a, you know, we have over a hundred hours now a hundred hours of Ray Longo just talking. Yeah. You know, that, that for me, just like I feel about my podcast where there's thousands of hours, you know, when I, when I, on the day that, that, that I politely excuse myself from this earth, um, there'll be those, those will be still be there. Uh, just like I listen to Alan Watts and like we listen to Sagan and, uh, I love that. Yeah, for sure. Well, Thank you for putting that together and putting Ray Longo content out there for all of us diehard MMA fans. But here's how I want to kind of start to tie everything together. So <clears throat> in my opinion, the reason that most people will never step into a jiu-jitsu gym or an MMA gym is because they have this fear about what it's going to be. They see these guys in the UFC beating the snot out of each other and they're entertained by it. And they think like, Oh, I don't know if I could do that. And I don't know what it's going to be like. And there's this fear of the unknown. Like what, what's going to happen when I walk in that door, am I going to get my ass kicked uh, immediately? Like, um, it, uh, is there going to be 
like Conor McGregor waiting to punch me in the face there. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and in fairness to them, the reason that exists is because don't forget the loudest monkeys are the monkeyest monkeys, right? So mm -hmm. it's like they're afraid of that because what they're seeing posted or what, you know, what, what somebody walking into work is doing after their jujitsu is that they have, you know, uh, uh, scrapes over here. They have this and they're going in like they just went through hell and I'm sure they aggrandize the stories they tell. And, and even what we were saying when we were saying, Hey, you annihilated me for an hour. That's absolutely true. What we're not talking about is that there could have very well been the people next to us just drilling so lightly and so nicely and, 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 you know, just stretching, almost doing like jujitsu yoga, uh, at the same time, the class moves at the pace that you want to move at. And, um, not enough people talk about that. Not enough people talk about, uh, uh, that you can go on your own pace. So I think that the people who are hesitant, their only gauge is the UFC, which mm -hmm. I want to let you right know right now, all of you, you won't be that. And the next one is that uh, the, the guys who are bragging about it, uh, number one, most likely embellishing. And number two, you don't have to train like they train. And most of the people they train with probably don't like them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing is when you get good enough, you can impose your pace on other people. You're fine. I, listen, I've, I think that for me, uh, women, jujitsu for women – there are there are some women who are who are uh, who I'm not so I'm I'm about a 185, and so there are some women in jujitsu who you know my friend Bridget she, I would say she's somewhere in 140 150 somewhere in there mm -hmm. um, who regularly uh, is able to finish me or regularly able to sustain any attack I put on her, mm -hmm. uh, and then there are others who I can absolutely overpower who are 110 pounds, 115 pounds, who cannot finish me, who mm. cannot overpower me. However, I can't do a thing to them. Mm. They, they have learned how to sustain and, and, and pull. And so while they're just definitely not overcoming the 70 pound weight advantage I have from mm -hmm. a, for my, from a, a combat athlete, I'm an athlete. I am, I stay really good shape and I train a lot. So mm. already in good shape. And they will be able to defend so that not they can't do whatever they want to me. But I yeah. also can't do whatever I want to them. And that to me is is an empowering thing, uh, you know, being a uh having a sister and having so much family that girls for me, that's uh that's huge. Yeah, for sure. Um I wanna I wanna take a step back just for a second and talk about um you know, your first experience with jujitsu, but I want to preface that with something. So you've done all these things in your life. Uh, one of the biggest fears that people have is public speaking, you know, getting up yeah. in front of an audience and talking scares the shit out of people. Yes. Like it's, I think it's the number one fear people have second, maybe second to death. Maybe they're sure. tired. Um, I don't know the statistics on that. I'm just kind of spitballing here, but you've done obviously a lot of that talking to thousands of people and doing keynote speeches and talking in front of, you know, big wig corporate heads. And yeah, you've done, you know, military police officer, you've done a, a ton of things that would scare the shit out of normal people. Tell me the emotions or the thoughts that were going through your head. The first time you walked through the door at a jujitsu gym, which I'm assuming your first gym was Henzo's. 
My first gym was Enzo's. Um, and it, um, it, 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 it brought out the things in me that, that you discuss. And so going in there, uh, there was a psychology cause I just walked in, you know, I walked into the Harvard of jujitsu mm-hmm. and I walked into the Harvard of jujitsu at 42 years old where most of the people in my white belt class were literally half my age. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in the beginning I went to jujitsu because I had been working with Jenny Nadell at Longo's um, striking and it was all striking. And I was getting really proficient at it. When I first started with Jenny, we did, half of one round of punching and kicking and I was gasping for air. Again, I was, I was 50 pounds heavier and not any taller. And so, she, you know, she, I was gasping for air and Jenny sat, was with me and said, okay, take your breath, lower your heart rate. Steve, you have the opportunity to practice everything you're preaching to everybody. And she was really powerful like that. And it came to a point, buddy, where I would have to warm up just to do that. And then I'd gasp, you know, for my 30 minute session with her. And it came to the point where I was her 30 minutes, my 30 minute session with her was my warm up. Mm. Like I got into such good shape that, that we were, we were, her and I were going at it, at it, at it. Um, and it was good and I felt great. But then after I was done with that, I'd go lift weights. Mm. And so I had gotten to that point. Um, and then I see at Longo's, uh, you know, it's the Sarah Longo team. So there's some, killer jujitsu guys there. And so I would, I would watch and sometimes I would jump in. Um, and I, I just, as Pete Drago cell says, I, I caught the bug mm. a- and, um, and, uh, and I went for it and, and I thought that it would be really good for fitness to add a dimension of something. Because again, I got so proficient at striking with Jenny that I wasn't really tired after our 30 minutes. And, I would do three minutes of jujitsu and I'd be back to gasping for air. Mm-hmm. So I'm, oh, this is great. I, I, and I, and I could, it could have happened, Bill, if I started riding a bike or something, but I didn't, I happened yeah. to, you know, uh, wrestle. So, um, I went for it and the first several sessions was, was really me versus me. Cause it's the first structured jujitsu class. So at, at Henzo's you're at school and there's a structured class. So at noon in comes Gregor Gracie, Igor Gracie, Fabio Coelho, whoever is teaching that class. Uh, and you're going up and down, you're shrimping up mm. and down. For those of you who have never shrimped before <laughs> and you started at 42 years old, uh, <laughs> It, that was, I thought that was it for me. I, I thought finally when I finished shrimping up and down, this is where I get my blue belt. <laughs> <laughs> but it is not. So the first little while, I was just dying in that beginner class. Uh, and, then, and then once I started rolling with people, you'd see that someone would pick me and say, hey, man, uh, hey, do you want to go? I'm not, I'm not trying to kill anyone or be killed here. Like they'll preface it because it's another dude – Mm. who's on his lunch break yeah he, he works at wall street or he works up through wherever it is and uh and that's how it was it was really nothing to be uh, afraid of it was just something in my head of starting something new uh and then i got proficient at it and um and again applying those same methods that i've been teaching for 20 years you know, apply them everywhere that practicality applied anywhere leads me to where where it's taken me so far yeah to world championships yeah 
um, so that's kind of what, where I want to mesh these two worlds too, is, uh, you know, with the self-actualization and staying out of your own way, um, it, did that help or did that drive you crazy on the mat? Because for someone who needs to know, like, is this going to work or not? Uh, you know, you could know if something works or not and in jujitsu and still get your ass handed to you. So did, were those things a help or a hindrance, a mixture of both? It felt good. And I, it felt good to be new at something. Mm -hmm. It felt good to be a white belt at something. It felt good to be treated like a white belt at something. It felt good to learn. It felt good to see, you know, I look back now and um, shout out to Fabio Coelho who, who, who's done so much training with me. Um, he, he would, he would laugh almost like I was a child and I'm keep in mind, I'm older than him. he's probably around your age. And he would laugh at me like I'm a child every time I would come in with my new YouTube video. <laughs> and I'd be like, dude, I'm in this position a lot. I bet you I can, I can do this. And he would laugh. He's like, you could do that if you're going against a corpse. <laughs> the, the corpse will allow you to do that. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a certain um, ego that you can, uh, that you can, leave with your shoes at the door. Um, and of, of course it doesn't appear that way. Again, you, you talk about, um, the appearance you could, you could be on Instagram and you type in jujitsu and my buddy Gordon Ryan comes up and you're like, wait, I thought you got to check ego at the door. He's really smart in the way that he portrays the, the Gordon Ryan persona in sure. the sense, in the sense that that's definitely a reflection of him. And he knows, he knows how to read the room. He knows that, he knows that it's important. Humility is important, but but only a certain group of people can understand and appreciate humility. It takes wisdom to appreciate humility, mm -hmm. and for those who don't, you got to flex. Sure. And and he he's kind of got got that market, but uh, you see him on the mats, and and he's he's that guy. There's he's 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 training. He's, the please and the thank yous are all there for everybody. The being a good partner, uh, I think that I've heard him say that more than I've heard him say anything else is be a good partner. Uh, yeah. So, so that consideration and, and, and it shows you why he's, he's where he is. And, and I've learned to do that, uh, Bill, for a long time. And, and I told you that how I appreciated what you were doing. And I want to emulate that when you, when you see something that other people are doing well, and especially if they're doing well in what you love, mm -hmm. emulate it, take what you need, add that to your soup add that to your recipe. Sure. Yeah. So you were, you were kind of fortunate to have like a little bit of combat experience prior to, to getting on the jujitsu mat and, you know, kind of mess around with it at Longo's. So you kind of knew what to expect going in. And then, um, you, you know, you said you, you like that feeling of being new at something again. Um, what was the experience like when you went in to sign up? Like, did they offer you an intro class? Was it like, hey, yeah, well, come on in, jump into this class going on now? How did that all work? Henzo's is a well-oiled machine. Jiu-jitsu is what they do. So you you go into Henzo's and <clears throat> you you sit down, you fill out your your sign up, your waivers, all of that stuff. They give you a tour of the facilities. It's just three floors in in uh, the heart of New York City, a block away from Penn Station, a block away from Madison Square Garden. Uh, the famous blue basement, you see that down there and you see that you're in a place that this is where, 
you know, you don't go to Harvard and see people messing around. You don't go to Henzo's and see people messing around. These are people who, who do this and, and on your way down, you know, you, you're crossing paths with literal world champions. The, the, the people that, that, uh, the fans are paying to see on pay-per-view, uh, they're training down there right. while you're, while you're taking your, your guest pass visit tour, you will see a GSP. You will see the best in the world uh, down. You'll see Gordon Ryan. You'll see Jake Shields. You'll see Craig Jones. You'll see them just in class. Uh, and and that's uh, and, and then the professors who are the amount of world champions that are in there as professors is just incredible. Um, and and so you get that tour. They talk to you. I got an uh, intro class by someone really nice who I now know as Brian. Um, you know, he, I had an intro class and he spent 30 minutes with me, mm-hmm. 30 minutes with me going over the basics. This is, this is guard. <laughs> this is closed guard, like very basics. And I think they kind of also feel you out to make sure that you're not, um, fragile in the sense of, you know, pulling muscles when just to show you the first shrimp, they show yeah. you how to, you know, tie your belt, you know, little things like that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like a well-oiled machine. Uh, if you need anything else, there's a gift shop. Should you want to buy up uh, any stuff and and look like you belong there? And um, yeah, yeah, it was it was well oiled machine. And having also trained at Longo's for a long time, Longo and Weidman uh, MMA, they um, they do the same for their jujitsu program and their striking program. People get a tour of the gym, and in that place, uh, again, you know, your your Chris Weidman might open the door for you. You know, like he he's it's uh. He's in there. His family's in there. It's a, it's a it's a family owned gym. Uh, Iaquinta, Iaqu- you know that uh, Marab, they're all in there. You've been there, Bill. Yeah, but Manimal might close the door on you <clears throat> while you're trying to walk in. in, in- <laughs> Manimal, Manimal, Manimal will be in there with his with his. Have you been seeing his uh, stories with the with the dummy? I have. He's Manimal's funny, and uh, I mean the, the dummy story with the- yeah. <laughs> have you seen the dummy with Manimal? We did a show this week. Manimal's so funny. First of all, he is when when Ray loses his patience, he's not kidding. It's not an act. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray has has sometimes if you're just listening to the show, uh, you it'll seem like I cut it off abrupt, abruptly and you know say the hey this is MMA and Beyond. We'll catch you next time. It's not that. It's that Ray looked at me and went like this. <laughs> like he's done he's done and he'll start he'll start getting up and so i just closed the show yeah because ray's done because he's 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 manimaled out like he's manimaled out and so uh but manimal funny story we did a show this past week and manimal uh lives in the same house as his mom and everyone's under quarantine and he's in we ask you know how's that how's your mom doing like how, how are the people who have to deal with you his wife i'm sure is going crazy because she's she's a school teacher in new york city right and so manimal's like yeah but my mom still gets up she goes to work every day she's a she's a lunch lady in the schools i couldn't stop laughing because <laughs> schools have been closed for a month <laughs> like his mom would prefer corona virus than to be stuck at home with Manimal. And, and the fact that he didn't put it together, like his wife's a teacher and she's been home. Yeah. The teacher's at home, but the lunch lady isn't. Come on, Manimal. But <laughs> but uh, it was just so funny. Uh, and to watch that realization kind of hit him while we all laughed at him like good friends do. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's an interesting guy. But 
he's a second or third degree black belt. Yeah. And so goddamn good, Bill. Yeah. He's so good. And uh and and tough as nails and only a couple of years younger than I am. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like you know, we like to bust his chops and everything like that and the silly things he says and uh on social media he's like a total wild man and it, it, if you're new to the sport you're thinking like I don't want to go into a place with a guy like this. But that guy as wacky as he is and as quirky as he is, he'll take you by the hand and bring you over to the corner of the mat and show you how to do a Kimura if you ask him to. Buddy, uh, that's that's the guy you want in a foxhole with you. Yeah, or that. I mean, that's, you, the, that's the guy you, you, you don't want to bring him home for dinner because you don't want your family to think differently of you. But <laughs> but he's the guy who, who you want in a foxhole with you. And um, not only that, but he keeps he keeps fighting and he, he trains all the guys. He comes in. Um, if, if any of our guys have a short notice fights or they need a body uh, because they're, you know, Ray puts them through these kind of drills that are just <laughs> excruciating. And and uh, if it's later, it's an off night or something. Manimal's like, hey, I'll, I'll get dressed if you need someone to throw around, if you need anything. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's a team player for sure. Yeah, definitely. Really good guy. But I got to know him a little bit uh, through through you mostly. And he's yeah. Been- when you come back, you you gotta you gotta train a little bit more when you uh, when we're allowed out. I think Florida got locked down today. They did. We're we're in indoors for uh, for thirty days, so I might be doing a lot more of these episodes. Uh, awesome, coming people's way. So I, I want to circle back to your, your first experiences because your first experience with jujitsu is going to be a lot different from many other people i'm super lucky yeah you went to like the mecca and i hear you name dropping craig jones well well, i went to the mecca and i went as a 42 year old who can go in the middle of the day and take privates Mm -hmm. so mine's gonna be unique and and it's not lost on me how fortunate i am in that sense where i do i do go and train at longos and weidman's and and with iaquinta and sterling in there like I, i i'm there with them uh i did get to go to henzo's and and train with these great professors who everyone can mm-hmm. but i also then would do a bunch of privates with gordon ryan with uh with the gracies with uh, hobson gracie who, who's who's like a brother to me uh it's uh henzo's little brother and and uh also bellator superstar mm-hmm. and and so my experience is is different than than most people's would be uh, but it's not lost on me that there isn't a good session I have that when I'm done, I don't wish I started when I was 20. Yeah, right. Just because of what it is. Like so many of the attributes I learned uh, through military and through the sub the, the subsequent years, uh, being uh, coming out of the military, not having money and struggling and that kind of stuff, that, that stuff that we say builds character. Mm-hmm. Um there, there's a character that gets built with being being reinforced day in and day out. One of the truths of life that most people don't understand, that sometimes you can train really hard and try your best and still lose. Yeah. And that you were allotted that in jujitsu. <laughs> you will do your best. When I rolled with you, I was trying to beat you. There was no part of me that didn't want to beat you. And I was trying my best and I lost. 
And you have to, you could either go, rah, 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 or you'd be like, hey, that was pretty cool. How did you do that? How did you finish there? Why didn't you, why didn't you tap? Yeah. Oh, well, because your shoulder was uh, this way instead of this way. And like, oh, you learn little things like that. And um, jujitsu allots that. And yeah. so as a beginner, for me, the, the thing I would want people to know the most is lose the delusion that you don't control the pace at which you go. Mm-hmm. You know, I listened to uh, Matt Sarah and Jim Norton's podcast, UFC Unfiltered. And Jim Norton just started training. Uh, fine. He had been offered, but from Caitlin Shakigian to Matt to Henzo, everyone that goes in there, Jamie English, everyone's offered him some sort of training. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. But it seems like he has started training with someone who has offered also uh, 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 Rivera, um, Tiger Showman guy. I, I forget his first name. Jimmy Rivera. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Rivera. So it sounds like he's he's um, uh, started there. And, and he says, I love it. Because guess what? He was so worried about the super testosterone people he interviews all the time. Like, yeah, go ahead and train. He he knows he's nothing like them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a different species. We mentioned Gordon. I mentioned Gordon Ryan. I'm a different species than Gordon Ryan. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, we're not, the fact that we're the same people is crazy. Yeah. But so if I were to think like, that's what, that's who's going to, then of course not. But when you realize you can go at your own pace sure, and there are several people in every single class who are going at their own pace. Keep in mind that when I do competition team, there are black belts. I know when a black belt says, Hey Steve, there's one reason you want to roll with me because I am a 185 pound seven minute break for you. Mm-hmm. Because they want to take, if they wanted to take someone harder, they would take someone harder. But they're going at their pace too, even at their level. Yeah. And so, one of the things I want people to know is that your experience will be unique to you in the fact that you can go as far as you want to go at the pace you want to go. What will not be unique to you is the the mindset enhancements that come with bringing your body to a point you haven't brought it to in a long time mm-hmm. and walking out because regardless of whatever level you're at, you walk out as a team having just went through that together. Yeah, There, there is a camaraderie that would, when I was a one-stripe airman and I would have a general call me, hey, Steve, because after you go through what you go through, there's a camaraderie that comes with that. And that happens every single day at a jujitsu school. And that's awesome. I'm glad that you you mentioned the benefits of the mindset enhancement because that's so huge. Uh, Like the confidence you get from doing jujitsu, even for someone, uh, a 50 plus year old, uh, probably 140 pound comedian like Jim Norton can go and, and get those benefits. And someone like yourself who has dedicated most of his life to finding ways to enhance mindset and getting out of your own way. Even you've seen the benefits from these things, but um, there, there are a couple of things that I think people should be aware of. Like there, we could go on for hours and hours about all the benefits of jujitsu, but there, there are some red flags, like when choosing a gym. Um, And, and obviously, you know, you walked into a great situation, even though you were, 
you know, later in life and, and a little overweight and, and things like that. Um, you, you know, you happen to pick a good gym. Not everyone will do that. And I want to talk about something and, and kind of bring it back to your behavioral science background a little bit to get this point across. And I think you're going to connect the dots to where I'm going with this. Um, but there's a, a French cognitive scientist by the name of Dan Sperber, Sperber maybe. And he talked about something called the guru effect, which I know you're very I familiar love. with. Yeah. I've, I've heard you talk about it at great lengths. And, you know, I've got my little bachelor's degree in psychology. So this stuff interests me, but I'm not an expert in it. So I'd like to ask you to explain what this guru effect is. And then I'd like to kind of use that as, as a little bit of a warning for people when they're, when they're choosing a gym. I think you kind of see where I'm. Yeah, yeah, of course. So as with anything else, a guru effect is anytime you engrandize anybody or any thought. So the way that our brains work is that we gather data. We, we think that we learn. We don't really actually learn. We only validate what we already believe to be true. So we gather information that strengthens the validation of what we agree to be true. I call it your agreement with reality. But when we have a a a belief that someone, some person is special in some way. Because we grab that belief, we then retroactively, there's a uh, retroactive continuity that we then look back. It's also, you might hear it referred to as a cognitive bias. And we look back and we put all the pieces together that validate and support that at this point guru mindset brings. So when people go to a school sometimes or they go to they take any particular class or they they follow some sort of guru online you'd be surprised you you'll look and you'll see your friends brought bought some sort of magic crystals that are going to keep them healthy and they're like well how could you be if if I came to you and said hey here's a magic crystal that's going to keep you healthy you'd be like what are you kidding me get out of here but because it came from that guru place that you put in your head you actually start believing uh, this kind of stuff. You see it with books and philosophies, the law of attraction kind of stuff, where you see if this was presented to you in any other fashion, you would see it for what it is. But since it's presented to you in this mystical place that comes from an avenue of guru-esque, you, you will, attempt, you will uh, attempt to accept it and validate it. So when picking your jujitsu schools, for me, it's going to be comfort. Now, I live on Long Island. And I chose a school in New York City. I chose a school in New York City because so many people said, hey, if you're going to give it a shot and you can give it a shot, go give that one a shot. Mm -hmm. There are some great schools in Long Island. I also belong to Sarah BJJ. Matt, the Terra Sarah is, is, uh, is, has an incredible jujitsu academy, uh, two locations on Long Island. Uh, he teaches. Matt, Sarah. Mm -hmm. UFC, upset GSP, teaches classes. He hands out belt promotions. He's in there. Uh, he's sending messages during this quarantine, supporting the students, sending videos, going through things. I mean, there, there are some great schools. There are Long Island. Like, There's so many good schools. For anyone out there listening, wherever you are, not only look into the reputation of the school, but check out some of the people who go to the school. Mm-hmm. Check out, check out that stuff and see what you can learn and, and align it to what you want. So I knew, I know myself enough to know that as soon as I liked jujitsu, I'm going to compete in jujitsu. 
So let me stay between Henzo's and Sarah's. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's world cha- you know, arms full of world champions in both schools. Right. I want to be amongst them, and I want to be able to say I'm one of the world champions in your school. I knew that from the first time I caught the bug. Mm-hmm. But that's not for everyone, Bill. Right. Someone might want to take a jujitsu class at another at a at a MMA school, or like they just might want to take the class because hey. Steve's now the 20th person I heard said you lose a lot of weight and it's a lot of fun. If you want to do that, then take a jujitsu class at a school and see. The schools with integrity will offer some sort of free sign-up. Sometimes they do a, a week free. Sometimes they do your first few classes are free or discounted. Those type of places I usually like because they're not scared to show you what they're like. Right. Um, the places that, that are offering tremendous packages, I don't like the ones that are like, if you pay, you know, X amount of dollars now, you, you'll get your black belt, <laughs> like, <laughs> like Pre-order I, your black belt. <laughs> yeah, I'm instantly, I'm instantly skeptical about that stuff. If what you want to do is learn self-defense and that kind of stuff, then I'd go to more of a jujitsu school. But, um, but yeah, that guru effect, it's not about names. It's it's about it's about the feeling. It's about its alignment with what you want. For me, any school you pick, uh, you have to be in control. Mm-hmm. Don't lose control. The reason why people don't like public speaking is because they feel like they won't know what they're talking about. They lose control. People like to be in control. Right. So when you're p- picking the school, don't feel like you have to go to that school. What are your goals? How do they align with your goals? Is there someone there who's listening to you? If I go to a place and I say, hey, Bill, uh, so I want to do this, 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 and you're looking on your phone while mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, and I'm not going to go to your school because you're mm-hmm. not listening to me. Right. I want to be listened to because I want to control this setting. And yeah. So when you're picking a school, say, okay, can this get me what I want? Is this in alignment with what I want for my life? Also, do they seem like people who are emotionally invested in their new students in running their school. Is it ABC gym and there's a thousand of them mm-hmm. or is it Bill's gym? Mm-hmm. Like, and how is he running it? And, and so those are the things, but for me, take control back and you'll be able to, uh, to bypass that guru mindset. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's easier said than done too. Because, sure. You know, like you, I've heard you talk about several times, like, people will slalom ski past red flags. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there can be a lot of red flags when you go into a gym, but you'll see this, this guy and his pictures on the wall with him with a black belt on. And if you don't know much about that guy, you think like, well, he's got a black belt. He must know everything. Like this is, this was every karate school in the nineties. Yeah, you know? sure. Um, and, and that's still going mm-hmm. on. Like n- not just with the, the silly McDojo stuff where they use like mind powers and ridiculous yeah. shit like that. But like actual jujitsu gyms with, with fake black belts and, and you go in and they're teaching you nonsense. Like I've, I, I know you've cross trained a bunch of places. I've been to a ton of gyms and I've gone in and, and rolled with like purple and brown belts. And I'm like, who gave these guys purple and brown belts? Not Fabio Quelo. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll tell you, I think, I think that, uh, as, uh, it, it, at Henzo's, I have since um, 
won a bunch of tournaments. Uh, I've won a bunch of tournaments and cleared the room on many occasions. I don't even. I still don't even have one stripe on my blue belt. Like there, there's no. They're like <laughs> I'm a I'm a no stripe blue belt world champion. Like they're not handing out anything over there. And so, uh, but those again come from those schools. So you have a guy like I just mentioned, Fabio uh, Coelho, who's who's spent so much time training. They own uh, him. He, Gregor Gracie, and Hafa own Gregor Gracie's in Brooklyn. And they teach at Henzo's. And and Fabio will be the first to tell me, first of all, I'm a toy to him. You know this. I'm a toy to him. But he'll tell me, just like I, I do whatever I want with you, that there's guys in the other room who do the same with me. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a third degree multiple time world champion. He and he instantly acknowledges like, yeah, what what you are to me, I am to some guys in that room. Mm-hmm. And and that level of humility and honesty is why schools like his, schools like Henzo's, schools like Sarah's, Matt Sarah, I was a white belt. <clears throat> I was a white belt, and Matt Sarah was at Longos, and they were they. I, I want to say they were watching. Uh, ally quinta get you know finalize his training or something like that and matt says to me this is matt sarah dude says to me hey steve how's your jujitsu going i said i really like it i'm a white belt he's i said i really like it he goes awesome awesome next time next time i'm here let's roll buddy where where are you getting that you go to his school, you know, you, <laughs> you go to those schools because those are the ones where those are the ones where, you know, he's going to he, he, he's going to teach you something while keeping in mind I'm his age, while keeping in mind I just started while, you know, you want those type of things where people are going to make you better. Um, and so for someone endeavoring in that jujitsu experience or any martial arts experience, mm-hmm. uh, own your power recognize that most of the things you're afraid of are just because that's what you see online. Most people aren't going to show just the mundane class online. They're going to show that moment that, you know, I, I post a picture. It was the moment that I happened to strangle someone and they're still laying there. You know, that was one time out of years doing this. And so, you know, you have to give for that windage, you know what I mean? Uh, And just go get a, give it a shot. You know, take that step. Like Einstein said, nothing happens until something moves. So if you if you have that thought in your head that you want to be healthier, that maybe you want to take a class, at least eliminate that thought from your head. But you can't mm-hmm. do that until you go try it. And I think that 80% of the people who go try it will stick to it. Yeah, that's an awesome point. So, you know, you got to move yourself into a jujitsu class. Even if you're in your 40s and 50 pounds overweight, you just get Get the only in there. way, only way to that, stop wondering. I, I like taking things off my list. You know, I like like that Edison idea of I now know a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Like mm-hmm. I, I like that. Like it's at least I now know that yeah. I don't like X, Y, Z. At least I now know I don't have to wonder because wondering is a pain that's inconsolable. But having it gone and say, oh, wow, jujitsu sucked. At least you don't wonder anymore. Now go see what kickboxing like. Now go, you know, whatever it is. Um, but there's there's something there's something that especially in this modern era where we're so connected. You're in Florida, I'm in New York right now. We're speaking real time on video. 
Mm-hmm. We're so connected, and 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 when we're not, we can be texting each other. That you're at work, you see when I, when you see it, you text me. I'm doing something. I see you when I say we're always connected with each other. But when you're doing kickboxing, when you're doing jujitsu, when you're doing a martial art, it's just you, mm-hmm. and we don't. You're not distracted by anything other than your breathing, other than you're tired, other than your and this person in front of you is also tired. Are you gonna are you gonna have those 10 breaths more than they will? Are you gonna be able to position yourself like you did? Like you did to me. You you saw, okay, this guy, this guy is super pumped and he's trying to rip my head off. I'm gonna I'm gonna turtle like this while he tries to squeeze my head off my body. He's going to get tired. You made that gamble and you were correct. That's a psychological thing, a psychological situation you've probably been in a hundred times thousand times and i was just one of those times but that happened that growth happened Uh and so and so when the quarantine mindset comes or a business challenge comes you've been in that situation you're not going to panic because you've already been in the situation where it's inside it's just you and Uh these are things that we lose connection to because of the world that we're in and and i have no, no problem with technology technology's done an amazing thing for me um but but what the combat sports do, which is why I liked wrestling in high school, there is no goalie to blame. There is no anything to blame. You did your best. You won or you lost. You can make your adjustments, and you can learn how to handle it. Mm-hmm. To me, that's, that's a growth that you can only learn in those situations. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of great points with all of that, too. And, and there's no, there's no shortcuts either, uh, which Mm -hmm. is another, another reason to be weary of the guru effect, because you don't want someone who's going to say like, oh, we have this program where you get your black belt in three years. Like that's the, that's the point zero, 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 one percent that are getting legitimate black belt in three years. It's, it's super rare. And then the other thing that, that comes into it is. with that guru effect, even like rolling with a black belt, you think like, Oh my God, this guy has superpowers. And then like someone like me, after doing this for seven years, I've rolled with some of the greatest black belts, you know, in the country. And I get, I I get on the mat with them. I'm like, these guys know what I know pretty much. They just know how to use it better or they know how to use their leverage and, and distribute their weight a little bit better. They're not using any kind of magic. There's it, there's nothing except time put in. And, and like, um, even, even at Henzo's like there, there's a lot of, of uh, mysticism around like Danaher's system and and everything. But what it really comes down to is those guys live in the gym. That's why they're, they're like, I mean, they have obviously a really, awesome system for teaching jujitsu but it's the time they're putting in on the mat that's that's like the real recipe for for being like it's seamless transitions it's seamless transitions so it's 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 people who do jujitsu versus people who are jujitsu and so it's those it's those hours it's that dedication to a craft it's the difference between someone who's playing chopsticks and someone who's playing uh, beethoven you know it's 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 time and commitment to it to something you love and refining it and mm-hmm. so yeah those things are seamless they're doing the same things that even i know i know what they're gonna do mm-hmm. i see them doing it the thing is i just can't stop them 
Mm-hmm. And so because they're so smooth in that transition, it's like a flow chart and you see the flow chart, you see them transition, transition, transition. They've been there so much. A lot of times they're not even thinking it anymore because that flow is so good. And so, yeah, you want to get to that point. You love to get to that point. I won't get to that point, but I love the idea that I can work towards getting to that point. Mm-hmm. I love that I can keep going. I love that I make incredible friends there, uh, and and that you you do see, regardless of who they are, you know, at the end of the day, you know, da- uh, Professor Danaher's best students and you both killed yourselves for two hours. Mm-hmm. As you guys walk off that mat, you shake hands, you bump, you bump, uh, you you say, you give the head nod to each other. There, there is no, oh, but I'm this guy or I'm this guy. No, they all look at each other like we just killed each other for two hours. And that, that's to me that there's nothing, there, there's no equivalent to that um, without being in, in some sort of military combat. There's no equivalent to that. And, and where it can translate to, to the rest of the world, where that high pressure, um, high risk, high reward that uh ramifications all of that under high uh, high pressure conditions uh, that translates everywhere there's no place mm-hmm. that doesn't translate and and again you're never 100% always something hurts so you can make that adjustment how do i do this with my my wrist i'm going to protect my wrist a little bit i'm going to work on this thing i've been watching this video sometimes when you work with a black belt you think you're doing really well but no actually what they want to do is they only want to finish everyone in a triangle that day Mm -hmm. and so you're wondering oh i'm getting position i'm gaining i'm gaining and i only got finished twice but that's that's what he wanted to do he could have finished you a hundred times but he was just working on finishing in triangle that day and that and so you know, these type of things are great because everybody benefits and they'll always, the good ones, especially will always be like, Hey, I really like that, that thing you did next time, grab like this instead of like this and see what a big Mm. difference it makes. Little things like that. Um, for me again, uh, I, I would want everyone to do jujitsu, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's definitely not for everyone. You know, you, you definitely have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable and being in bad situations and a little bit claustrophobic at times. And sure, you, you know, not everyone's going to enjoy it. Not everyone's going to have a great experience their first time they walk in a gym. But um, I, I would definitely encourage everyone to at least try it because um, I mean, you know, this as well as I do jujitsu has had a huge impact on my life. Sure. Most of my closest friends I know through jujitsu, yourself included. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's what people bond over. I mean, we, we bonded over jujitsu like a year before we even met in well, person and were well, able we, to train jujitsu. <laughs> jujitsu so impactful for me that I was so excited that I met your wife. Like, and jujitsu is so impactful for you that upon meeting me, your wife told me that my husband does jujitsu. Like that's how impactful that is. So for those of you who don't know, um, I was giving a talk in Florida and Bill's wife was there. And um, 
everyone talks. We always talk. And uh, and I was talking to her about something. She said, oh, you do jiu-jitsu. I said, my, she, my husband does jiu-jitsu. I said, no way. Tell him. Yeah. And so I suddenly <laughs> she became my favorite person there. And we started uh, talking. And I, I think I was like, hey, send him this picture. And, um, <laughs> and then you and I connected. And uh, and yeah, and, and it's we've been annoying her since. And, and so <laughs> it, it's a. Uh, it's that's how powerful jujitsu is that when you meet someone who's married to someone who does jujitsu, you are excited. Like that's because again, there's a camaraderie like I have with my brothers and sisters who serve. I can go anywhere in the world. And if they're a veteran, I, I we've, we have that instant camaraderie. We, I know what you've been through. You know what I've been through. And mm -hmm. so it's the same with jujitsu. Uh, I wear like a Henzo jacket or something and people give you the old, and and I already know that guy's been strangled a million times. I know like they, <laughs> I don't care what belt you are, you've been through it and, and you kind of just know it. And um I when I do go back to traveling and I and I travel quite extensively, uh there's not a place I don't go that I'm not invited to do uh jujitsu because of the good folks on Instagram who who follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I encourage people who do train to cross train. Like go to other gyms, go yeah. see what it's like. You know, you don't have to have the intention of, of changing or betraying your gym or anything like that. But when you travel, go check out another gym. And it, it's an awesome experience because you, you, you're you opened up to a whole new world of jujitsu. And it may not be different moves, but it's taught in a different way. Or they it's do different, different people. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's different people. And if you're at a gym that feels betrayed that you train somewhere else, then you're in the wrong gym. And so... It's because that's that's against the again. Remember, the, you the 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 gym is your client, not you the gym's client. I know it's presented the other way, but that's not it. There are so many gyms, so mm -hmm. the the gym's your client. The gym should be looking to keep you, not you looking to impress the gym. Mm -hmm. And so take your power back. And if there is a gym that's like, oh, you better not be training anywhere else ever, then you're not my gym anymore. <laughs> Because yeah. I, because you like, you know, pe most people already have a relationship like that. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, don't, you don't need to be also exclusivity with your gym. No, my job is to get better through fitness and through jujitsu and sports. And yeah, when I'm in other places, I'm going to train other places where gym has a problem with that. Then that's, that's a silly way to lose a client. Yeah. Which, you know, there is a lot of that silliness that goes on. It gets to be, you know, like any job or, or anything. It gets to be like high school, middle school type drama. You're just going to get that. Insecure people. You get that from insecure people. So when, mm -hmm. when you have insecure leadership, you'll get that. That's, that's common. And again, um, since I've been doing this for so many years, decades, um, that's the, that's the recipe where someone like me finally gets called right before it all falls apart. Uh, because you know the the absence of leadership, the myopic scope of leadership, uh, is, that's that comes quickly when it's immaturity and insecurity. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I want to thank you for lending us your expertise in uh, behavioral science and applying it to why people should train jujitsu and what red flags they should look out for. We're a little bit over that one hour mark that I think you and I agree is the, uh, the peak. It's horrible. And I knew it the second, <laughs> I knew it the second you said, hi, Steve, how are you? And I spoke for 20 minutes straight. <laughs> I, I knew two things. Number one, your audience became very clear with the fact that yes, I do speak for a living. And number two, they became suspicious that maybe I get paid by the word.
<laughs> yeah, I'm already paying you overtime now. So, <laughs> but um, is, is there anything else? Any kind of culminating thoughts you want to get off your chest? Yeah, I do. I I want uh, your listeners to first of all support you and the things that you do. Uh, you you have a good uh, uh, MMA on the rocks is a good show, um, and especially I like uh, I like uh, Jeff uh, the Animal. Jeff the uh, Animal Wilson. Wilson, Wilson who's uh, who's been do he's been really funny lately also. So I've been enjoying that, uh, and I want you folks to stop if if you're gonna if you're gonna desire something, just take that step. Uh, for for me, if you can just keep this in mind, you got to pretend. You got to pretend the people around you are deaf. There's a little trick I call it the the observer gauge. So spend a month this month these thirty days, okay? Spend it where you can't tell the person around you you love them. You can't tell your kids you're proud of them. You can't say I'm sorry. You can't say I want to be healthier. You can't say I want to take my business more, uh, uh, more seriously. You can't say anything. You can only show. Now, what does I love you look like? What does I'm sorry look like? What does I want to learn this look like? What does I want to take this series look like? What does I'm paying attention to you look like? You can't say it anymore. I call it the observer gauge. You try that and watch everything around you come to life. That sounds like a really cool experiment, and uh, I hope people try it out. Um, well, thanks again, Steve, for uh, yeah, for brother. sharing all your insight and your experience with the first time you met the Matt. And um, I, I've been meaning to do have you on the podcast uh, since we first connected on the phone, and I called you almost two years ago, and we just bullshit about MMA for like an hour on the phone. Um, and I think this was the perfect opportunity to, to finally have that first episode is um, to, to do this and, and try and uh, get people on board with, with jujitsu here. Well, we'll do this again. Sometimes you'll ask me another question and I'll speak for another hour straight. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds Take good. Care, Definitely want to do it again. Next Take time care, we got to do it, do it in person over some scotch. If you guys want to learn more about Steve Maraboli, go to his website, stevemaraboli.net. Or you can find him on social media at Steve Maraboli. Make sure you look for the blue check mark. If you don't see that check mark, it's not him. Mm -mm. He has some imposters out there, so beware. You guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at Man on the Rocks everywhere on social media. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>